Good morning, church. Um, it's uh, another wonderful day and uh, a good, cold morning that the Lord has granted us that we are thankful for. I am happy to see you here. And for those who are joining online, uh, welcome. I'd like to welcome you to this Sunday school session. So I'll ask that we start with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious God, our good Father, we come before you this morning um, with excited hearts, with hearts that uh, want to learn. You have been teaching us through these Sunday school sessions uh, on the top disciples. And we pray, as we have prayed before, that you will help us to grow in us a desire to do your will a desire to do great things for you and to know that you are you who enable the apostles to do wonderful things for you. You still enable us today and you still work through us to get the gospel to many who are unbelievers. So we thank you for this uh, time that you give us together. Help us to learn together as we consider the Apostle James and to learn from his life things that will help us become better Christians and better stewards of the gospel that is in our hands. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. For the sake of the visitors and those who may be joining us online for the first time, my name is Kevin Yagaka. Um, a member of this church. I also serve as one of the pastors here at Trinity Baptist Church, Donholm. Uh, again, I take this opportunity to welcome you to this uh, Sunday school session, which is not uh, a service. It is, it is not a sermon. It is an, an interactive session where we, we engage with one another. Uh, feel free to ask questions. Uh, just if you have a question or a comment, feel free to lift up your hand and ask a question or post it uh, on the YouTube uh, comment section and we will get to answer your question. We have been looking at uh, the 12 disciples. We have been going through a study uh, titled 12 Ordinary Men. Um, the title is from a book by John MacArthur called 12 Ordinary Men, where he has done his best to look at the 12 men that Christ chose for himself as apostles to study their lives, um, see aspects of their lives that um, whatever they did, whatever is in scripture that is given to us to show us that these men were not superheroes. These men were not um, more than us. They were given a unique office, the, apostle, the office of an apostle that was unique to the 12, that was not given to any other, but they were men. That's, that's where we want to dwell on, that these people were men and God used them. And that is helpful to us because uh, we are men. 
the whole point is to show us that the same way God used the apostles uh, to further his cause, uh, he will use us. Uh, God will not appoint other people apart from the, the people seated here, apart from the people listening today. Uh, we are the agents that God, use, God uses for uh, his mission. So on the first Sunday, we looked at the 12 men in general. We considered their calling, uh, what they were doing, the context of their calling. We saw that they were ordinary men uh, of the society, fishermen. One of them was a political zealot, another a tax collector, four of them fishermen. So they were just ordinary men. And they were called uh, in different occasions. On the second Sunday, that is last Sunday, we considered uh, Simon, Simon Peter, the apostle, who was uh, kind of the leader of the apostles. Um, we saw his life, the kind of man he was as a person, and we considered his growth through his ministry. Um, there are four things that we mentioned, four areas that we saw he grew in. Uh, who remembers what the four are? Uh, he grew in four major areas that I highlighted. Nani atatukumbusha? The four. Or any that you remember. We also considered... Um, Peter as a person. If, if you remember what we said, you can also remind us. What did we say about Peter? Anyone? Yes? Sorry, he grew in? Yes, he grew in self-control. We considered his growth uh, in self-control in his restraint. Something else? Okay, we, we saw that he, he grew in his submission. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, we see him struggling to submit to the authorities, but by the time he's writing the epistles, we see that he himself was encouraging submission. He grew in his humility, uh, we saw that he also grew in, in his compassion for people who are suffering. Um, we saw his character. We saw that he was inquisitive, that he took initiative, and that he was involved. That was Peter as a person. And uh, those are the same uh, characteristics that our Lord Jesus Christ used uh, for the furtherance of the gospel through Peter. So today we will consider James. James, who is um, known as James the Greater. James, brother, brother of John. Next, next Sunday we will consider John. I chose these three because uh, of their close, uh, close relationship to Christ. 
they were in the inner circles. You know, Christ had a multitude of disciples. From the multitude, he chose 12 to be to walk uh, closely with them. And from the 12, he walked with these three closer than the rest. And so I decided to look at these three. When we have the chance, we will look at the rest. So James, what do we know about James? Let's start there. What do you know about James? Anyone? From his calling, his life, do we know anything about James? Well, unlike, unlike Peter, uh, scripture records very little about James. But the little we are given in scripture about James is much. We can learn a lot from the life of James. There are three incidents that I will highlight uh, about James. But before I get to them, let me hear from you. What do you know about James? At least, at least one answer before I proceed. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Okay, let's, I will ask that question again. But first, let's uh, consider his calling. The account uh, in which uh, James is called. Let's consider uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his, uh, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two others, Two other brothers, James, the sons of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So the James uh, mentioned here is the James that we are interested in today. So I will ask the question again. What do we know about these James? So this is not... Uh, James the Lesser. James the Lesser is James' um, son of Alphaeus. And it is not James the Just, not James the brother of Jesus. This is James, brother of John. Other than that, what do we know about him? Okay. 
Yes, Pasi. Sorry? Yes. Thank you. He is killed by Herod. James was um, the first martyr. He, he was the first apostle to die for the sake of the gospel. Yes. He was a repairer of nets. He was a fisherman. Yes, and uh, he was called by Jesus when he, he was mending the nets. Yes, thank you. Anything else? Okay. Um, yes, Pastor. Yes. Thank you. I was waiting for that, actually. Yes. Together with his brother, they were nicknamed by Christ the Sons of Thunder. Um, it's right there. Son of Thunder. He was called um, the passionate apostle. Passionate, by, by passionate I mean zealous, uh, thunderous. He, he had zeal. He's a man who, uh, when he set his mind on something, he would go all the way. We know from uh, picking from different accounts from scripture, that he was from an influential family. Um, who can tell us why, why I would say that? He was uh, from an influential and even maybe rich family. Any guess? We, yes, thank you. The Samoite says, uh, says John, his brother, was yes. well known to the family of the high priest. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, that is number one. Uh, they are referred to as, James and John, they are referred to as sons of Zebedee. And whenever they are referred to, they are referred to as sons of Zebedee. It, it seems Zebedee is someone who was famous. Even his mother was in the Bible is referred to um, um, mother to the sons of Zebedee. Uh, on the account uh, that uh, he has mentioned, last time we, we considered, we looked at uh, the night Jesus, when the, uh, the night Jesus was arrested, only James, sorry, only John and Peter went to the high priest's cottage. And we are told that uh, James was admitted uh, on the basis that he was, he was well known to the high priest. So the family, uh, his family, they are people from Galilee. Galilee is very far from Jerusalem, about 120 kilometers from Jerusalem. That's that's approximately Nairobi, Nakuru. And it's uh, at a time when there was no technology. So for, for a small family in Nakuru to be well known to the high priest in Nairobi, they, they had to be 
influential in a way. So he was uh, from an influential family. Something else that suggests that their family was uh, better than the common family. Any any guess? There's one one more thing that suggests that their father was a wealthy man, well wealthy-ish. It's right there at their calling. Yes. Mark 120, the Mark father has yes. So when James and John are called by Jesus, they leave their father with his servants. They were working with his father, but we see that his father had servants. So that suggests that they were, uh, they were wealthy. Uh, we have, we've also said that uh, he was in Jesus' inner circle. Jesus uh, walks closely with um, Peter, James, and John. We see that in different places in Scripture. Any ideas? Any, any Scripture that comes to mind or an occasion where um, Christ confides in the three or takes the three only and goes with them somewhere. Yes, that's one. Yes. At the raising of Jairus' daughter. Um, you said Mark? Mark 5. Yes, Mark 5, uh, 21. Verse 37, Mark 5, 37. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. So we see that uh, in a way, um, Christ singles the three out from the rest. Another occasion? Yes. Matthew 17. Yes, Matthew 17. 17. Thank you. The transfiguration, the Mount of Transfiguration. Again, we see uh, Jesus and the three. Any other place? Uh, please wait for the mic. Sorry about that. In, in Mark 14, 33, when mm -hmm. Christ was greatly distressed, when it was close to the crucifixion, yes. he took the disciples, but he took uh, James, John, and uh, um, Peter yes. and, and went ahead with them. So he was close with them and confided in them, saying that my soul is greatly sorrowful even to death. Stay here and watch. Yeah. So we see Christ pouring out his emotions, his feelings to these three. Uh, and he also um, 
shortly before that, he, he confides in these three all uh, four disciples, Andrew inclusive, privately uh, question Jesus about the end times. Again, this is another situation we see where there, there are only a few with Jesus, and James is among them. So there's also something else about James. There's a possibility that he felt like he would be the obvious choice leader. Um, that is speculation, but there is a possibility, and it could be the reason why they fought over who was the greatest. Um, I say that because of a situation where the two, James and his brother John, asked Jesus for, for something. Uh, what was that thing? Yes, to sit on the left side and on the right side of Jesus in, in his kingdom. So there's a possibility that James felt that he was uh, the, the leader and that he was probably greater than the rest. It's a possibility. And we've also seen that he was the first to be um, killed for the sake of the gospel by Herod. So there are three, as, as I said, there are three incidents, uh, key incidents that I see recorded in, recorded in scripture that give us the, the most information about James. We have very little about James. We have more in the Bible about John and Peter than James. But there are three incidents that tell us a lot about him. And one is his nicknaming. Um, we read in Mark, Mark 3, 16, Jesus, uh, speaking of Jesus, he appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name uh, Bonages, that is the sons of thunder. We've been looking at the disciples and seeing how ordinary they are and how they are like us. But Christ is everywhere in this story. And one observation that I can't um, ignore is the fact that Christ was like us. He was a human being. Um, he was interested in small things. He was sarcastic. He was, in his speech, he was just like us. Um, consider, for, for example, the, the situation in Matthew 23, when Christ is speaking to the Pharisees and Sadducees and uh, cursing them. Uh, there's Matthew 23, 24. Christ tells them, Christ tells, uh, referring to the Pharisees, he says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Um, I, I, when reading this, I found myself just 
smiling at the sarcasm. You know, the Pharisees are there requiring a lot, requiring big things from the people. They, they count their spices. It's, res it's recorded in scripture that they, they, tie, they tied their spices. They count their mint leaves and tied them. And they are not concerned about uh, the life of someone. He calls them hypocrites. You know, they choke, they, they choke on, a, on a nut, but they swallow a whole camel. I highlight this just to show that Christ was, was, Jesus was not just plain. He was not boring. He was, he was not a robot. He lived like us. He, he laughed. He made jokes. He was sarcastic. He nicknamed people. We saw last time he nicknamed Peter. And here, he nicknames um, James and his brother John based on their characteristics. He calls them sons of thunder. And that tells us a lot about James, about his zeal. This zeal uh, is again uh, shown in Luke chapter 9. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke 9.51, when these brothers call fire from heaven to consume the Samaritans. Luke 9.51, when the days drew near from his, uh, from, uh, for him, to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem, and he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make, uh, to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consumed them, but he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. So we see uh, their, their rage or their zeal for, for Christ here. They want fire to come down and consume the Samaritans. This, this was not just, this was not random. Uh, for James and John to want fire to come down to consume Samaritans. This was not just a random thing. Uh, they wanted fire to consume, to call down fire like Elijah did. The place where they were at, Samaritan, is, this, it's the, is the very place where Elijah called upon fire from heaven to consume uh, messengers, messengers that had, that had been sent uh, to him by the king. There was enmity between the Samaritans and the Jews. And the reason why the Samaritans um, treated, the, treated them like this is because they were going to Jerusalem. Verse, verse 53, Luke chapter 9 says, But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. 
you'd think that they wanted him there. You know, you'd think that from just reading, you'd think that they wanted Christ to remain in uh, Samaria, but he wanted to go to Jerusalem. But that's not the case. They were going to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, something that the Samaritans hated. The Samaritans were a rare breed. They confessed to believe in the God of the Jews, but their practices were, they rejected the same God in their practices. They rejected the Jews and they rejected their practices and their feasts. And so when these people came, the messengers from Jesus Christ, who went to look for accommodation in Samaria, when they found out that the people who are asking us to host them are going to Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles, they could not be hospitable to them. They were going to do something that they abhor. And this is why they treated them like this. The same thing that happened in the time of Elijah. These people had rejected God. Um, what was the name of the king during that time of Elijah? I'm trying to remember. Is it Ahaziah? Who remembers? When, sorry? When Elijah called fire from the, the king who was sick and sent out uh, messengers to inquire from Baal Zebub if he, if he will live. Um, okay, it has escaped me. So the king had sent out messengers to Baal Zebub, which is the Lord of Flies. Uh, at that time in Palestine, there were many flies, and they believed that the Lord of Flies uh, lived amongst them. And so when this king uh, fell from a higher place and injured himself and he was sick, he sent out messengers to inquire from the God of Flies, Baal-zebub, if he will live. And they meet Elijah somewhere along the way, and he gives the messengers a message for the king. Is it that there's not a God in Israel that you inquire of Baal-zebub? Go tell the king that he will not live. Uh, the bed that he sleeps on, he will not wake up from it. And when they came back to the king, uh, the king asked them, who told you this? And they did not know him. They said, a hairy man with a leather belt. And he knew that was Elijah. And he sent people to arrest him. He sent 50 soldiers to arrest him. Um, and he said to them, you know, if I am the man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you. And fire came down from heaven and consumed them. Uh, some people saw it, reported it to the king, and the king sent 50 more men. And the same thing happened. Elijah called down fire from heaven to consume the 50 men. And the king sends messengers at that time. Only the commander, uh, this that time the commander was wise to plead for the lives of his men. Um, 
So the God that the king was sent to be, uh, sent the messengers to, the, the Lord of Flies, the Israelites tweaked that name to, from Baal-zebub to Belzebub. In the New Testament, we read Belzebub. Belzebub is tweaked to mean uh, the Lord of Dung, you know, flies dung. So it was so uh, pathetic to them. How do you worship a Lord of flies, you know, the Lord of Dung? And James and John knew all this. They hated Samaritans, and they, they knew Samaritans hated them. And so when they were saying, um, call fire from heaven to consume them, they had that context in mind. And so it would seem that it was righteous. But we know that uh, Christ rebuked them. Sorry? Yeah, King, King Ahazia. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so... Uh, James and John knew this, and they were acting in their zeal. They thought they were acting righteously. But Jesus had another plan for the Samaritans. The same apostles would, would later bring the gospel to them, to the Samaritans, and many would believe. So we see, we see James here as a thunderous man a man of zeal. We also see in another incident, uh, the incident in Matthew 2020. Um, let's turn to Matthew 2020. The incident where the mother asks for them if they could sit with uh, Christ in heaven. Matthew 20, verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked. She asked him for something, and he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that, this, um, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you are, you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They say to him, we are able. He said to them, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared, uh, prepared by my father. Now, the reason why I... Um, I point us to these texts where the mother asks for these sons is for us to see the extent to which the, the brothers would go to get what they wanted. They were, the, they were zealous. The same account, uh, the parallel account in the other Gospels, doesn't have their mother in the picture. In the other accounts, 
they are the ones who ask, um, who ask Jesus for this favor, for this um, sitting with him. And even in this account, when Jesus replies, he does not reply to the mother. He replies to the sons. Uh, verse 22, Jesus answered, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we are able. So the mother asks, the sons answer. So it is. it looks like they, they put their mother to eat. Um, I say that because we've seen that they were from an influential family. They were known to the high priest, the, to the high priest in Jerusalem. It could be that this is how um, things worked then. You know someone who knows someone, you talk to them. You know, my, my mother is well known. Let my, let my mother talk to Jesus, maybe he will... He will, he will hear the requests. So I think they put their mother to eat. They are zealous. They want to rule. Um, one chapter before that, is it one chapter? Uh, the incident where the rich young ruler the rich young man, yes, one chapter. At the end, when Peter was asking, Jesus tells the disciples that you must lose everything to follow me, to serve me. Um, verse 28, Matthew 19, 28, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, uh, in the new world, sorry, let me start at 27. Then Peter said in reply, see, we have, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on, the high, on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses or brother or his sister or father or mother or children or lands for my namesake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So this happens after this. They have been told that they will rule. Uh, in this lesson, it, it looks like what James and John came out with is that we will rule. We will, sit with, we will sit with Christ on 12 thrones. Now, they wanted more. They wanted to be, on the 12 thrones, they wanted to be closest to Jesus. You know, let one sit on the right and the other on the left. That is what they wanted. And when the disciples, when the other disciples hear of that, um, they are displeased. It is recorded in the Bible that they are displeased. And this argument goes on even into um, the supper, the last supper that they have together, when they ask Jesus who will be the greatest of them, of them among the 12. And this is why I said in the beginning that there is a possibility that James thought he was the... Uh, 
preferred leader or he would be the obvious leader. Any comments or questions so far? Any thoughts? Just realized that I've talked and talked and talked. Any question? None? Okay, then I'll I'll continue with the third the third situation or the third incident recorded for us in scripture that shows us that James was a zealous man. And this is in Acts 12 when he is killed. Acts 12, verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. So that is the much we are told. Um, but we know how politics works. If um, you were to start an operation to, you know, uh, deal with some bandits, like uh, the government is doing in the area of Pokot, um, so, um, what, strate what strategy is most employed? You look for the leaders. You look for the leaders, you kill the leaders, and the rest will disperse. It's the same thing that they did with Jesus Christ. They killed Jesus Christ because he was the main guy. And I want to think that this is the case here. Um, Herod, Herod did not randomly pick James. I don't think he randomly picked James. And Peter, why do you think uh, he went for the two? My uh, suggestion is that he was at the forefront. Um, when Christians were somewhere, if you were to spot anyone, it was James. If you wanted to make a lesson uh, to the rest, the person you would have picked was James. I say this because uh, when Herod saw that this pleased uh, the Jews, he went for Peter. We well know that Peter was uh, the leader. So James's uh, death was not random. It was uh, strategic. And that is uh, the reason why I would say he was a very zealous man. He was like 
John the Baptist, I would say, or, or Elijah, or Jesus himself when he was cleansing the temple, when he chased people out of the temple. Any thoughts about that? Questions, thoughts, comments? Or something that we can learn from what we are seeing about, about James? Mm -hmm. uh, can we get the mic for the sake of the people online? I, I'm saying that I agree with your observation that uh, James must have been very conspicuous and a leader, uh, a recognized leader for that matter, known by uh, everyone, including Herod. Uh, you can say that he was not playing it safe. Yeah. Uh, in his zeal, he was all out, totally sold out. Um, because generally, you don't you don't go for obscure or uninfluential person when you're dealing with a movement. Yeah. And it seems then that uh, uh, at that point, Simon Peter was more uh, in the second position than uh, James was. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. More thoughts, yes. Thank you. When you started, you say James was, he's also known as the great. The greater. Yeah, the greater, while son of Alpheus is the less. Are we... What are we looking at? Older, taller, more important, zeal? Um, I, I, I would think it was stature. I don't think it's anything or age. It was probably older and bigger. I don't think it's anything to do with uh, import, importance. Um, unless anyone has a, a better answer than that. I think it's just stature and age. Yeah, so it's just to, yeah, it was just to tell them apart. Yeah. Yes, Pasi. Remembering John 21, where in spite of the Lord having resurrected and shown himself to the disciples twice, mm. they still went back fishing. And yeah. the sons of Zebedee, mm. together with Peter, were amongst the disciples who, it's not that they were not convinced mm. the Lord was risen because he had shown himself twice to them. Mm. But I think they had disqualified themselves, particularly Peter. He yeah. had gotten to a place where Perhaps he felt, yes, the Lord is risen, but mm. I don't count to to serve him mm. anymore. Went back fishing, and the, the Lord shows himself to them a third time and asks Simon, Simon, do you love me? So mm. the sons of Zebedee, mm. James being one of them, was amongst these disciples mm. who went back fishing. And the Lord shows himself up to them a third time. And having seen that 
that at some point he he was a backslider let me use that term mm. it's a beautiful thing to see how he holds on to the faith to the very end mm. he he stumbled at some point but he finishes well yeah. in acts chapter 12 mm. i think the other thing is just the strange purposes of god in in how he wisely deals with each one of us concerning our earthly pilgrimage mm. god was definitely able to save james he had done a, a saving work on the apostles in acts chapter 5 mm. we are not told there how many of the apostles were arrested but a number of them had been arrested mm. and that night the angel came and got them out doors remained closed mm. but they were all out and they were told to go back to the temple and preach the entire gospel mm. and uh, they did that and so perhaps james knew god is able to save me a sort of daniel shadrach meshach and abednego yeah. attitude of god is able to save us we won't bow but even if he doesn't save us mm -hmm. we still won't bow and uh, i think i'm just saying god is able to strengthen us to finish well yeah. you may be limping right now you may be crawling mm -hmm. in your christian walk but the true believer perseveres to the very end and god sees to it that the work he has begun in you he will bring to accomplishment mm -hmm. even when the means of finishing is so scary if you learned about it right now you'd you'd so tremble mm. maybe it's sickness uh, on bed but uh, as pastor Murungi has preached recently nothing can separate us from the love of god thanks for that person another comment generally about James and the life of James. Um, may I also point out on something that James knew. Um, the, we are told that his father was rich. James himself um, was just the, the son of a rich person. He would have inherited his father's wealth and business if he remained his, with his father. But scripture clearly tells that, that they left everything and they followed Christ. We have also uh, seen that their mother was with them. This means that <clears throat> their mother was with them as they moved around from place to place. Um, she was uh, among the women who served them, probably made meals for them, uh, went with them wherever they went, and they are... Uh, uh, financial stability or their wealth enabled her to do that. But when Christ was teaching that you must hate your father and mother if you are to love me, uh, James and uh, John 
and their mother, they were all listening to that sermon. And they followed, uh, they followed Christ's seal. They left everything and followed Christ. They considered the costs as it is, uh, as it, as it, it is in Mark 14. Let's turn to Mark 14. Mark 14, 20. Sorry, not Mark, Luke. Luke 14. Luke 14, 25. <clears throat> now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count their costs? whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise when, he, uh, otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began, began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is the cost of discipleship. This is something that James and John and their mother knew very well but they still followed Christ. And um, the cost has not gone lower. This is still the cost of discipleship. If you cannot uh, hate your family, your siblings, for the sake of Christ, you cannot, um, you cannot love Christ. Sorry, you cannot be part of the kingdom of Christ. And we see that James leaves his um, inheritance, he leaves his family, leaves his mother and brother, and in Acts 12 is willing to even hate himself, hate his own life for the sake of the gospel. And that is the cost. That is the cost of uh, discipleship. So from, from what we have seen about James, we can say that James wanted a crown of glory. Uh, Jesus gave him a cup of suffering. When he asks to sit at the right hand and left of Jesus, Jesus says, are you able to drink the cup uh, from which I drink? 
at that time they say yes, they they will drink, but they do not know what they are um, committing to. Eventually, they get to suffer for the sake of Christ, but at that time of asking, I don't think they they really knew what they were asking for. He wanted a place of prominence. He he got a martyr's grave. He wanted power. He wanted to be the greater um, amongst the disciples. Jesus gave him servanthood. He wanted to rule with uh, Christ, but he was given a sword. He died by the sword. He did not get the the ruling that um, he thought. And this, this is the case for um, most of us. We come expecting um, great things, great in our own understanding and great for ourselves. But whatever Christ calls great for himself is not something that we will take gladly. But if we are, we are willing to take it, then we are assured of the kingdom of heaven. Any comment or question? Yes. Um, I have a question. Mm -hmm. uh, I was wondering, could, could it be that he was also uh, looking forward to the expectation of the Messiah? Uh, I think what is recorded in John, mm -hmm. it shows that his brother was indeed, um, even in his ministry or, or, or in him being first a disciple of John the Baptist, mm -hmm. Yeah. And when they come, when John talks of Jesus, they, um, when John talks of, when John the Baptist talks of Jesus as the Messiah, then they, they follow seem, him. yes, to follow him. Um, there it's recorded that John, the brother of James, was with Andrew, mm -hmm. and they had the expectation of the Messiah. Yes. But uh, I'm also thinking in other portions of uh, the Bible, mm when it's giving a record of the first call, it mm -hmm. says that um, John and James were on a boat mm -hmm. and Christ told them, follow me, and they did immediately. Mm -hmm. So could it be that probably maybe his brother mm -hmm. let him know that, you know, we have um, seen the Messiah or we have met the Messiah and maybe that could have been an influence to him as well. Or would that be just grasping mm -hmm. at straws? I'm, I'm not sure if I got your question. Uh, well. My question is, mm -hmm. in the book of John, it records that um, John, the brother of James, mm -hmm. together with Andrew, were those who are, in a sense, looking forward to Jesus. Yes. Uh, or the coming Messiah. Yes. Uh, and in other portions, I think it's in Matthew or in Mark, mm -hmm. it doesn't give the story of the first call as recorded in James. Mm -hmm. It gives us um, a story where Jesus calls both the sons of Zebedee and they leave everything mm. and they follow him. Mm. So it, it seems as if maybe even James, the brother of John, may have had a prior information about Christ, mm. um, even from his brother, and that might have propelled him to listen. So I'm trying to ask if maybe uh, he too had the expectation of the Messiah for him to be convinced to leave everything as mm. recorded in other portions of scripture. So, yeah. 
I, I think it's a possibility. Um, I think it's a possibility. But even then, the expectation of the Messiah was somewhat flawed. It took Jesus, Jesus was teaching them, to understand that his kingdom is not earthly. Uh, I, I don't know if I am answering the right question. Or it could be that, yes, they were expecting the Messiah, but they were also expecting an earthly kingdom. Uh, we have a question at the back. It's not exactly a question. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking the way the accounts seem to differ, the accounts of the calling of the disciples, mm -hmm. it must have been then that um, at first they just followed Jesus around as he taught yeah. randomly. And then from the group of the disciples they had, that's when he chose particularly 12 out of the many who followed him. So yeah. it could be that um, John, who was a disciple John, mm. John of Zebedee, who was a disciple of John the Baptist, mm -hmm. uh, being a disciple of John the Baptist, who was the, 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 the forerunner of mm -hmm. Christ, yeah. uh, had that expectation of Christ. And of course, being brothers, I'm assuming these are things they talked about, and being Jews mm. who constantly were um, students of the law, mm -hmm. this is something they expected, like all other Jews, like the Pharisees, you know, they were, they, the Jews were waiting for, Messiah, for the Messiah. So by the time Jesus was calling these two into, uh, into particularly following him from mm. among the crowds, mm. they have heard of his teachings, you know, they've been listening. It's not, this is not a newcomer that they're listening to. This is someone yeah. that, whose fame has been going around mm. for a while. I, I think it's the case. So when the different accounts of, in some cases, it's not the same account, uh, the, the calling. In some cases, it's uh, a different account. The first one could be a very initial call when they just followed him because he had many disciples. And then there's uh, probably a second call, now when they were mending nets, when he specifically told them, now follow me. At that point, they, they left their work and followed Christ, but they were still not disciples. Until one and a half years later, when Jesus, after praying, chooses 12. So that could also mean that um, he also had other disciples, many, who had left everything to follow him. They were just going around with him. So it could be that the different accounts, it's, it's, um, it's an account of an, a different occasion. It's not the same occasion. I think I'll, yes. I, I just want to underscore again in that vein of finishing well that, uh, out of the mercy of the Lord to us, as we see it with the apostles, particularly in what you're just saying, mm -hmm. is how he keeps calling. 
he keeps encouraging. Mm. And you see a man, a woman with zeal, and we think it was just one call, they just showed up once in church, mm. and that was the steroid shot they needed to yeah. be as zealous as they are. Mm. But there's been continuous calling happening, uh, uh, an assurance in the heart, a summon from, from, from the preacher of the day, a new view of the Lord, and uh, the Lord reappearing again, as we've seen in John 21, and mm. telling them, hey, mm. uh, I called you guys to be fishers of men. If you love me, feed my sheep, tend, mm. tend my. And, and it's a mercy of the Lord. And when we look at men of zeal like James, mm. we need to look beyond them and see the God mm. who makes such zeal possible. And such is the God whom we serve today the God who took ordinary men and uh, made them his apostles. Thanks. <clears throat> You've reminded me of a, a thought that I had when studying this. I once had a preacher say, I can't uh, remember who exactly it was or what the someone was. I just remember the point. He was talking to Sunday school teachers uh, and he was especially telling them, you see those, those stubborn children, that child you want out of your class, that child is the child you want to focus on. That is the child who will take the gospel where many are afraid to go. And it is, it is the case even amongst ourselves. You know, there are those people who are just stubborn. They, they are just stubborn and you you think to yourself, if, if we had five of you in this church, the, the elders will just seek for transfers. You know, such a zeal can be turned around and used for, for the sake of the gospel. Um, James was zealous before meeting Christ. That's why Christ saw them and said, and, to, and called them sons of thunder. He saw that they were zealous. But their, their, their zeal was uh, in the wrong place. He changed them, changed their heart, and now used that zeal for the sake of the gospel. So an encouragement to teachers generally, especially Sunday school teachers, those, those stubborn kids, you want to focus on those ones. They are the preachers. Let's, let's pray. Our good God, we thank you for this lesson today and for showing us how you, you change hearts. You changed um, James, a man who was zealous, a man who was energetic and, uses, and used that energy for the furtherance of your gospel. <clears throat> Lord, we pray that that will be the same, the same with us, that you will use us to spread your gospel. Please change our hearts and help us to uh, disciple others and to see past their stubbornness and to see your, what you can do with them and especially with ourselves. So again, we pray that you will help us 
to expect great things from you and to attempt great things for you. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.